51 years ago, this was the, the, the gospel that I preached my first mass at. And to commemorate the affair, my brother gave me a, a, a gold-encrusted plaque. And, and it read uh, from the gospel. It says, to the Reverend Anthony R. Teschetta, uh, to dig, I am unable. To beg, I am ashamed. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Ordained a priest, September 18, 1971. <laughs> now, I, I don't remember everything I preached uh, on, on that, at that first homily, but I, but I do remember uh, how it began. It began something like this. It, it is my great desire, and my great desire is that the existential reality that you perceive before you reflects the ontological nature obscured therein. In other words, what you sees is what you gets. What you see, I pray God, is what you get. Uh, for 51 years, I, I have heard the call and, and endeavored to respond to it to the, the best of the gifts of the, of the grace that God has given to me. Uh, one of the other things I, I, I ask, I remember asking the congregation, was says, don't you do not ask me to be holy for you. Ask me to be holy for you. Same sentence, two radically different meanings. Don't, don't ask me to be holy in your stead. Don't put me on a pedestal so that, that the priest uh, could, well, the only, I, I'm convinced now after, after 50 years that the only reason they put a priest on a pedestal is to get a better shot. <laughs> And they always go for an egg, leg or an arm. They don't want to go anything for vital. You never know when you're going to need him. Yeah. Don't ask me to, to do that for you in your stead. And if Father does it, we don't have to worry about it. No, ask me to be holy for you. Ask me to, to model what it means to be a follower of the Christ. Uh, I learned this lesson actually again at, at the feet of, of, of Bishop Blanchett and those of us who are of a certain age can remember me, these bony little fingers, and I can remember I'm, I was called and I was just named the spiritual director of the uh, high school seminary at St. Charles Borromeo. And he says, Father Tesqueta, don't ever expect your students to be any holier than you are. And that was really an incredible, incredible lesson. It, it really is the incarnational lesson. The best definition of a Christian I have ever heard is one who has who's met one, one who has seen one. Until we see it incarnated in a human being, until we see the love, the mercy, the care, the goodness that is the Christ in the flesh, we can't get to that deeper level of spirituality. And, and so I, I, I truly do have in, in endeavored to, to, to do that. Now, now what is the role of the priest. Uh, St. Luke puts it pretty succinctly. He says, uh, the role of the priest is, is, is prayer and, and, the, and the preaching of the word and the ministry of the word. And in Acts of the Apostle, well, actually St. Saint Luke says in the Acts of the Apostle, your ministry is prayer, to pray for the people, and the ministry of the word. Uh, we follow Francis again, the incarnation of the divine, who, who says, uh, preach the gospel, always. All, all times, always, if necessary, of course, use words. But proclaim the good news. 
Of course, the other, other jobs of the um, priest is to, to celebrate the sacraments, to confect, uh, and, and then it says to mediate. And we talk about Christ as the mediator between us and God. But, but my deepest belief is that we, we don't need, we need the Christ to show us the way to incarnate it, to see how it's done. But we can go directly to God. And, and so I've really seen my role these last 50 years not so much as a mediator. Come to me and I'll, I'll get you to God as a catalyst. You know, a, a catalyst is, 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 is a conduit. The, the, the best gift that has ever been given to me in, in any words of praise is that, uh, that you said something, I heard it, and I changed, and I grew. Uh, the, 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 uh, I'm now driving a Prius, and I'm told that they steal the catalytic converters like no tomorrow. Well, I'm a catalytic converter. My job is to, is to if, if, if you come and somehow I am able to touch where you are and you grow, I'm the happiest man in the world. And so our, our job is to create an environment where we can experience the Christ, where we can experience what the Christ has to teach us. And, and that, that brings us to the, to, the, to the readings today, because I think there's a great deal that that the Christ wants to teach us in, in the readings. I'm going to, I want to focus on the, on the first two readings, on the reading from Amos and on the reading from, from, from Timothy, because I think they, they kind of encapsulate you know, one of the things that is, I know, near and dear to this community, and that's the Catholic social teaching. Our wonderful uh, Catholic social teaching from Dorothy Day to to, to all who have, the, the Berrigan brothers, who all said that, look, there is an injustice in the world. How do we change it? How do we make it better? Today we've got this wonderful balance between what Paul is saying to Timothy and what Amos is saying to the people of his day. And, you know, Paul is saying to Timothy, you know what? There are legitimate authorities. The church is not anti-authority. You know, we're not antinomian. I mean, Jesus looks antinomian, but he's not. Uh, he, the, but the authority must serve the needs of all. And so, what is Paul saying to Timothy? Pray for the king. Pray for the president. Pray for those in authority. Why? There's a reason that we pray for those. This is a very, and this is a very conservative thing. It's a very, very conservative thing. The reason is because if, if they're doing their job, if they're doing it right, then we are able to live a very peaceful and a tranquil life. That's a good thing. That's part of the teaching. The rest of the teaching we're getting from Amos today. You know, Amos was a, not a prophet. He was a, he's a farmer, a shepherd, a, 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 a trimmer of sycamore trees. That's a, he, and he's coming into the city... And he's looking around and he's seeing what the powers that be are doing to the poor. Now, you're the legitimate authority, but you've gone off the rails. So Amos is going to speak truth to power. He's going to, he's going to say, you're, you're so wrong in what you're doing. You say, oh, when is the new moon going to be over so we can fix our scales for cheating? 
Uh, he, he goes on, he says, hear, hear this, you who trample upon the needy and destroy the poor of the land. You, you, you say we will buy the lowly for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals and even the refuse of the wheat we will sell. He is going crazy and rightly so. And I think there comes a time that we who are called to preach the word of God need to preach the word of God. It has been said, and I think it's a great truth, that the job of the gospel is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Uh, Comforting the afflicted is okay. It's kind of fun. Afflicting the comfortable is not. There's always going to be pushback. I, in the day of Amos, the, the, the Israelites say, Who, how dare you preach to us? There was incredible pushback. But Amos would not yield. I think for us today, that's, that's still going on. And it's manifested in the very last line of the gospel that we heard. Uh, untangling the theology that was in the middle of that gospel would take, a year and a half. But the last line speaks volumes. Usually Christ is trying to bring us into unitive consciousness. Today he's going to give us an either or. Today he's going to say there there is a division between one thing that is right and one thing that is wrong. And he says it like this. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the others. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, mammon normally is, is translated as, as money and that's it, or, or power. Uh, and that, that's not a, those are not bad translations. But the, uh, scripture scholars tell us that it, it's, it's a little more nuanced than that. Mammon isn't just money, because money is neutral. It can be used for wonderful things. And, and power is wonderful. It, it, it allows us to do good for others if we've got that power, the power to do good. There's nothing wrong with them. It's mammon is when you have a surplus of power or a surplus of money, more than you know what to do with, more than you need. And, of course, once you are serving mammon, you're never going to have enough. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough power. You're always going to want more and more and more. And you will use those around you to hold on to your money, to hold on to your power. And, 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 and if there's anything that I think the Christ seems to hate, it's hoarding. It's holding on to beyond what we need to survive, beyond what we need for security, beyond what we need for a little bit of the future, to hoard everything else. He says, you fool, today your life is going to be, it's going to be taken. And don't, 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 don't kid yourself. And, and so today we want to look at, at mammon. Um, one very good way and one very bad way. The, the good way is, is pretty interesting because I, I don't know if you saw the, the news the other day or very recently. The, the fellow who owns 
Patagonia, which is a clothing outfit that, that, that sells very, very high-class clothing. And he never started out to be a big businessman, but ended up making a billion dollars. And, and he just announced the other day that he's going to take that billion dollars and every penny of profit that he makes from now until the day he dies from the Patagonia company, that billion dollars, and give it away. To whom? To our mother. To the earth. He believes that the, the greatest cause that we have right now is our, our very survival depends on how we take care of the mother. We are really celebrating these seasons of, of hope and seasons of life and seasons of the earth. And, and so he is, he's, he's putting his money where his mouth is. Why? Because he's got more than he needs. And yet you compare that with those who, who don't have enough in their mind, even if they have more than they need. I like to uh, juxtapose this to ones, ones, there are a number of them, who need to be called out. And, and when we call someone out, it's, it's never easy and it's never fun, but I think there is a righteous cause for us to call out those who are bowing to mammon and worshiping mammon. And of course, it's not just money that these are looking for. They're looking for power, political power. What I'm referring to is the, is the crisis, and it is a crisis that is going on right now with the Venezuelan refugees who, are, have, who left a communist country in, in danger of persecution and loss of their life, walk through Colombia, walk through Nicaragua, walk through Guatemala, walk through Mexico, all the way up to the border, only to be crossing over into Texas and have them told, oh, we've got a place for you. We, we, we've, we, we've fixed our scales for cheating and we're going to cheat you because you're not going to come into where we want you, where, where, where we don't want you to be. What, what's so amazing is that in 1959 and 1960, when the Cubans ran away from the communists in Cuba, we welcomed them with open arms. And today, when our own sisters and brothers, our neighbors are coming across not just for a better life, but to save their life. We're telling them lies. We're telling them, get on the plane. We'll take you to a wonderful place where there'll be a job and you'll be taken care of. And as they're on the plane, they are registering them to homeless shelters in California and in all kinds of addresses, knowing very well that that if you apply for asylum, you're going to have to show up for court. 98% of every asylum seeker shows up for court. They do not not go. They don't just run away. The difficulty is now, if they've got them set up in a homeless shelter in, in California, there's no way they can get there. They're going to be deported. We are stepping on the backs and using the poor for chattel. That's a sin that must be called out. That we are, we are, 
we are using them for us to get higher in the pecking order so that maybe our political desires will be fulfilled. It's wrong. The job of the prophet is to preach truth to power. Amos preached truth to power. We are called to do no less, no matter what the consequences were. Because when Amos pushed, believe me, they really pushed back. But a priest for 51 years, the nicest, easiest joy that I have is comforting the afflicted. The most difficult thing I think I am called to do, but we cannot not do it, is to afflict the comfortable. And in so many ways, we are way, way, way too comfortable.